Hey, what is up? It's Brian LaFermento here with episode 155 of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. And in today's episode, you're going to hear from Sajad Ghanizada, who's an incredible entrepreneur out of Washington, D.C. He's worked for some of the coolest companies in the world as the head of growth and development. Now, Sajad, in his career, he's a product leader and marketer who has scaled a mobile fintech app from zero to over 150,000 users and through that app they helped people save over 250 million dollars in taxes he's had a really accomplished career most recently as the head of growth at hurdler which is going to talk a little bit about that and in today's episode you're really going to hear about how you can validate your product ideas as you start building a profitable business i'm excited sajad is a wealth of, of knowledge and you're going to hear from him let's dive right in Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I already told listeners a little bit about yourself before the episode got started. You fill in the gaps. Let listeners know what your story is in a nutshell in 60 seconds. Sure. I, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an overall techie and, and hardcore geek. I uh, come from a computer security background. I had originally started my first company when I was in middle school, probably about 15 years old. Uh, and it, uh, you know, combined my love of video games with uh, actually uh, building one. So I had a video game development team, and uh, uh, we we built uh, an alpha version of our video game. Obviously, that all fell apart when our lead coder uh, went to college. <laughs> so you can imagine how young the entire team was. But uh, from there, did a lot of freelancing, worked at the Department of Homeland Security for about four and a half years, uh, which was my kind of stint into the, I guess you would say, corporate world. Uh, and then from there, I started my first company, moved to San Francisco, worked for another startup, and then came back to DC and worked for Hurdler, which is a mobile financial tech company focused on the freelance industry. Awesome, I love that. And I mean, what you did at Hurdler was something that gets me really excited to talk to you here today and, and gain some insight into what the heck's inside that brain of yours because you helped take Hurdler from zero years, users to over 150,000 users. And you and I both know that's the hardest part of starting a business. I mean, anyone can say tomorrow that they're an entrepreneur, but the reality is until you've got users, until you've got customers or clients, you don't own a business and that's the hardest thing. So talk to us about what is that process? How do you walk into a new business and take it from zero to 150,000 users? Sure. I think uh, what's interesting is the process itself is very different for uh, every single company. It really depends on the uh, type of customers that you're targeting, what you are selling, um, and uh, what type of money you have to spend. One of the things that I do when I work with companies is that I always teach them how to uh, validate their product and acquire their users for free before they start spending uh, a dollar 
acquiring these individuals. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you want to do, and it's, it's, it's really been a combination of different strategies that I've learned from some of my favorite people, uh, just to name a few. It's uh, Noah Kagan, uh, Brian Balfour, Brian Dean, and some of the other uh, marketing influencers out there. And, uh, you know, what you really want to do is, uh, one thing to realize is that, uh, you know, you can have any type of product and your product can be absolutely amazing and you can engineer anything that you want. But the most difficult part of doing all of this is making sure that uh, that uh, you can acquire these users. User acquisition is always the hardest part. And what you do is you find your users and uh, you find out where they're hanging out, what their communities are, and you figure out how to get in front of them and just give them things. So, uh, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss is, is one of the guys who talks a lot about this, about this uh, approach with user acquisition. So is uh, Gary Vee, and they talk about just giving, giving, giving before actually asking for these, uh, asking anything from these individuals. And what I tend to do when I'm acquiring is I will go ahead and build out content for these individuals that helps them um, with whatever it is that they're focusing on, whether they are, have a freelance business that they're trying to improve, whether they are Airbnb hosts and they're trying to become better hosts and make more money, or whether they are, say, rideshare drivers and they're trying to figure out uh, how to manage their financials um, and taxes. So the more that I give to them, the more they tend to kind of gravitate toward me as a thought leader and then kind of check out what product I'm working on and see if that's relevant to them. Yeah, I love that approach. And it's something that us marketers, we like to throw around the, the term lead magnet. And so for newer entrepreneurs out there, they're probably saying, well, yeah, that's really cool that you guys get to give something away for free. Well, I own a business. I own a service-based business, let's say, for example. What the heck am I going to give away for free? Are you saying that I should be out there doing free work? Or Sajad, tell them a little bit more about the lead magnet. What sort of things can you give away? Education. It all comes down to education. If you have a service-based business, your customers, there are questions that they have for you, things that you can teach them. Figure out what those questions are. Maybe give them free, uh, short consulting consultation periods over Skype. Uh, and collect the questions that they ask you and the answers and actually build content based off of the questions that they that they ask during these uh, uh, free consultations and then provide that online for your customers. And what will end up happening is because you're providing this free content online, you're going to attract customers that you normally would not have thought of reaching or wouldn't have had any uh, road to reach. Yeah, and, and that's really sound feedback because I want to call out one thing in particular that you said, which is for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs out there who are listening to this conversation right now thinking, well, I don't know who it is that I want to serve. Listen to what Sajad just said about identifying people by their problems. So for example, when you were talking about potential target markets, you said Airbnb hosts who want to get more bookings or financial people who are looking to create a budget for themselves. Those are identifying people by their problems. And when you start answering those problems or when you start answering those questions, you start finding that you actually have a broad base of people who your product can serve. And so I love that approach. But at the end of the day, Sajad, you and I both know it comes always down to the product itself. And one of the first things that you said is product validation. Walk us through how do you validate a product? How do you know that something is a good idea that people are willing to pay for before you dive into it and invest your life into launching a new product or service? 
uh, you know, I ask them. I ask them directly. When I get these individuals into my lists, what I will do is first provide the content for them that answers their questions and build up my own list. Then from there, I will pick out the most engaged users, the users who constantly uh, download my content and are always submitting their email addresses to me or who are engaging me uh, via email. And I'll have conversations with them, give them little previews of what I'm trying to work on and get their feedback. So first I'll ask them about whether it helps them, what they think it is, um, and I'll ask them very broad questions and just get them talking. And once I get them talking, I will find out that they, you know, there are certain points that are bottlenecks where they're very confused and they'll start asking questions. They'll say, well, you know, this is what I would need it to do for me and does it do this and does it do that? And then I'll just dive deeper into those questions and just keep asking uh, questions about why they want it to do something, uh, if it does this, what does it solve for them, um, would they be willing to pay for something like this and how much would they be willing to pay? And I think after a while when you start diving into these questions and you get to that point where you start asking people how much they're willing to pay, you start seeing a trend, right? So most people tend to stick to around $5, $10, $25. Um, and then you take that information and you say, okay, well that's, you know, you can go with that price point or you can assume that that is your absolute bottom of the market. So this is the absolute minimum that people are willing to pay and determine how you want to charge from there. Awesome. I love that. And I'm going to push a little further onto that to really get into your expertise because one of my favorite Henry Ford quotes is if I asked my customers what they would have wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And so I always tell my students and podcast listeners, take that insight and take that data with a grain of salt because ultimately the real barometer of product validation is credit cards. You need people to take their wallets out of their pockets and pay for something. And until that happens, you don't really have validation. So talk to me about at what point do you start selling things? Because I sometimes cringe when I see entrepreneurs spending six months or 12 months developing something without knowing that people are going to actually pay for it. And I'm a big fan of selling things before they're created. Talk to me about your experiences there. At what point in the product development life cycle is it okay or is it ideal to start taking payments and start taking orders? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a very good question. I'm, I'm a huge fan of providing 10x value to users before you ask them to pay for something. So at whichever point you believe that you are providing that level of value to the users is when you should start charging. Even if it is when you have uh, a really low level MVP that solves their problem. If it solves their problem and if it provides that type of value to them, it doesn't matter how buggy your tool is or how uh, quickly done it is, or if you're an engineer, how bad your code base is, that's when you should charge, when you provide that value and when you solve that problem for them. Awesome, let's pick a little deeper into MVP. So you mentioned the minimum viable product. For entrepreneurs who aren't familiar with that, talk about what an MVP is and how you use it and what its purpose is when you're starting a new business. Sure. Um, there, there are different ways that people look at MVPs. For some people, an MVP is just throwing up a landing page and getting users to opt into your product, so like a pre-release page, right? Others, it is the um, simplest version of your product, the buggiest version of your product, rather, that, uh, that solves the problem that it is trying to solve. Awesome. My idea of an MVP 
is two-tiered. One, it's first, it's the landing page that you use to start acquiring your users and figuring out the channels that you can tackle to get these users into your pipeline. And then the second version of that is the first version of your product that actually solves the problem that they're willing to pay for. Uh, and I think uh, once you have that, that is your that is your MVP, that is your validated product. And if people start opening up their wallets and paying for it, then you start taking it to the next step. Awesome. I love that. Let's talk about the product because I feel like you and I both keep saying that P word, which is product. And products can take on so many different forms. I mean, in your line of work, it's been apps in some cases. It's been SaaS businesses, so software as a service. Products can take on many shapes and forms. And some entrepreneurs out there or entrepreneurs who are listening to us right now might be thinking, well, I don't have a product. But really, anything you sell is defined as your product. Your product might be consulting. Your product might be a service that you provide. So talk to me about when you've gained this feedback, when you've had these conversations with leads, with prospects for your business, how do you then decide how to package up that product? Is it an app? Is it a service? Is it a physical product? How do you make that decision? It's, you know, that's that's, that's a very interesting thing to ask because I've seen uh, myself, I have a very specific way of doing it, um, but it's because I've done it multiple times and I've but I've seen others who have taken different approaches. I think the the best um, way to approach it is if you are a entrepreneur or rather an entrepreneur who is trying to uh, build a product-based business, you first want to start out just by providing free advice to people, free consulting, free advice and giving out material to them to grow your list. Once you start growing that list, you start continually providing content out and becoming a, a thought leader in this space. And what will happen is that as you start doing that, your your next step after providing advice is charging for a service, right? Well, now that I've figured out what the most uh, pending issues are with, the, with this list that I have, I can solve it by maybe providing concierge service. Maybe you are uh, doing things for them manually before you have a physical product. If you are the type of person who has a product where you're building lists for them, lead lists, then maybe you're just going in online and on LinkedIn and customizing and building these lists for them and then emailing it to them and charging them per lead, right? So you're doing everything manually. And then once it gets to the point where doing it manually is not, uh, is not viable, but you're generating revenue through it, then you need to start looking at, okay, how can I automate this more and more? And the more you think about automation, the more your product starts fleshing itself out. Yeah, I love that Ascension model because especially for newer entrepreneurs, they look at guys like you who work on these awesome apps that have 150,000 plus users and they say, well, I'm not there yet. But as you just discussed, I mean, it really is a process of getting there and really you get there by knowing your market inside and out and helping them first and being in the trenches with them. And just listening to you talk, I mean, a million things come to mind. Let's say we were listening to our own interview right now and we wanted to figure out what business we wanted to start. Well, you just identified plenty of opportunity areas where you talked about giving something away for free, teaching people. Well, how the heck do I do that? Do I do it through written content? Do I do it through video content? That's the sort of stuff that you can teach to people. They've got these questions already. 
So if you can scratch that itch and you can sell them something that solves that problem for them, then you have a viable business. So Sajad, I really love that advice. Tell me about what sort of barriers you have when you start sitting down to think about your initial audience. What sort of barriers do you have to deciding, yes, that's a market that I want to serve, yes, those are problems that I want to serve, versus, oh, I don't think there's any money to be made in that market? Yeah, I think there's, I do strongly believe that there is money to be made in every market, as long as you are providing the right value to these users and as long as it's making them money or it's solving a pain point that they really, really dislike. The, the toughest part is being confident in approaching that market and sticking to it because it doesn't really happen overnight. It takes a very long time to do that. What you want to do is um, find that first user who has a problem, find that first individual who has the problem start solving it for them, provide a customized concierge service where you are just solving a problem for one person and it's a one-on-one thing. After that person's satisfied, scale up from one to 10 people and start solving similar problems for 10 people. From 10, you go to 100 and then from there, you keep building up. So I think it's, it's not necessarily a matter of finding the right problem in the right market to solve. It's You know, my approach would be which market do I want to spend the next 10 years of my life building something for, right? And then getting into that market, seeing what the discussions are about, seeing what the issues are, and taking it from there. Yeah, I love that advice. And Sajad, secretly I was hoping that you would say, it doesn't matter what the market is. All that matters is do you want to spend the next 10 years of your life on this and are you going to provide value that people are willing to pay for it? That's what it comes down to. And there is no right answer other than that. So I absolutely love that answer. But I want to talk about the biggest elephant in the room right now. So if I'm a listener listening to you talk about this and it all makes perfect sense theoretically and I want to take action on this today, my first obstacle is where the heck do I find these people? What's your answer to that? Yeah, that's uh, so I have two channels. I actually multiple channels that I, that I go into to find these individuals. Um, so I will look at uh, subreddits on Reddit to see if there are large enough users in these groups and I will you know browse them. So you just go to reddit.com, use their search functionality to find the right subreddit for your target market. You know, if it's if it's like Uber drivers, for example, you go to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Uber drivers uh, and start answering and getting involved in there. Um, another approach is join the Facebook groups that have these communities within them. Facebook groups tend to be very, very active. So what you can do is you can join as many of the Facebook groups as you can get into, start engaging them, start answering their questions. And then from there, if you want to segment out these individuals and create a a cleaner group because you feel that the group is a little too broad, create your own Facebook group, make the title very targeted to their problem and their market, and then start bringing other people from these other groups into your groups as into your group as well and make your group the, the, the hub, the portal where they get that level of education that solves their problem. And then from there, what you're essentially doing is you are taking people who are segmented into multiple groups and multiple communities, and you're aggregating them into your own very focused, very targeted community. 
And that's what's going to lead you to your service and then eventually your product. Yeah, and those are two of my favorite resources on the internet, and they're both free, Reddit and Facebook groups. I mean, these are massive online communities where people are already having these conversations. If you want to tap into the pulse of any single market, you can go out there and people are literally pouring their hearts out within Reddit and within Facebook groups. So Sajad, that's really great advice. I absolutely love that. And as we're coming towards the end of this interview, let me open up the floor for you. What's your best advice for newer entrepreneurs as they seek to make their first $10,000 as an entrepreneur? My best advice would be to join a community and start answering questions. So join whatever community it is that you have a slight interest in and start becoming the guy that does the research for them, answers their questions and starts engaging them. Uh, One of the interesting, the most interesting concept that I learned of in, in the past several years is what's referred to as the craftsman mindset, right? And the idea behind that is you, you know, you'll, you'll never find your passion if you're constantly searching and diving into different things and not sticking to it. What you should do is you should find um, something that you are uh, just a little good at and you should make it your goal to become the absolute best or the top 10 in that industry. You should take that similar approach to building your product. Find the one market that you are interested in, dive into it. And make it your goal to become top 10 thought leader or top 10 person to discuss that market with in that industry. And when you do that, everything else kind of starts falling into place. You start generating your revenue through consulting. From that, you start solving problems and you start becoming a thought leader because you put out free content. And then from there, it eventually evolves into a product because you are the person that everyone trusts, that everyone gets their education and then their material from. They're also going to open their wallets up to uh, purchasing your product as well. In fact, they're going to be begging for it once you develop that product. Yes, I love that. And it is only January. There are still 11 months for you to take action on Sajad's advice. So get to it. Start answering questions. Start giving value in the marketplace. Start becoming an expert or an authority figure in your industry. The year is young and most people aren't going to take action. So Sajad, I love that advice. Where can listeners learn more about you, your business and what you're up to? Sure. I'm actually very easily accessible over email. So if listeners want to reach out to me, they can reach out to me at me at sajad.co. That's S-A-J-A-D dot C-O. Or just go to my website at sajad.co. Awesome. We're going to post those links and your email address. You're a daring man. You're going to hear from our listeners. We're going to post that on the show notes page over at thewantrepreneurshow.com. Sajad, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.